0: the difference between lean, healthy, fit people and those who seem to constantly struggle with weight issues? Why is it that so many of us have such a hard time of not necessarily losing weight, but of maintaining a lean, healthy body? Is it a lack of willpower or motivation? Maybe these folks lack the grit and the determination necessary for long-term changes. Or maybe it's lack of knowledge. If they just understood what foods to eat and what exercises to do, that would lead them to the promised land of having a lean, fit, healthy body. Or maybe the problem is that the vast majority of nutrition and fitness advice is coming from people who are already lean, fit, and healthy. And what works to keep them lean and fit might be terrible advice for somebody who has 30, 40, 50, or more pounds to lose because they are in a different starting place. Maybe it's time to re-examine why diets fail, and more importantly, when they do fail, why we blame the dieter for that failure. Hello and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach, and my mission is to help you get into the best shape of your life, regardless of your age, so that you can show up in life as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself. We have a fantastic show for you today. Dr. David Prologo is here, and he's going to help us understand why diets fail and how to get fit and lean without eating foods you despise or living in the gym. But before we get to today's episode, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Tupud. Tupud makes awesome gym apparel, gym bags, and backpacks, but they're probably best known for their world-class lifting belts. In fact, Tupud is the official belt of USA Weightlifting. I'm a huge fan of these guys. I absolutely love their gym backpack, and I love their weightlifting belts. I have two of the straight belts, and I've used them for years now. One of my favorite things about their lifting belts is all the different design options. If you like lots of bling, like maybe some pink glitter, colorful, funky patterns, they got you covered. Not really a bling person? No worries. They got you covered with some solid colors and subtle patterns as well. Anyway, if you'd like to check them out, Head over to SilverEdgePartners.com and click on the 2 icon. And because you're a listener of this show, you can save 10% when you use the coupon code SilverEdge at checkout. Again, that's SilverEdgePartners.com and make sure you use the coupon code SilverEdge at checkout. That's SilverEdge all run together. Okay, enough of that. Let's get on with today's show. My guest today is Dr. David Prologo. David is an interventional radiologist and obesity medicine specialist, and he's the author of the new book titled, The Catching Point Transformation, a 12-week weight loss strategy based in reality. He has spent more than 20 years specifically analyzing the phenomenon of diet attrition. Join us this week as David explains exactly how those of us who struggle with sustainable weight loss can meet themselves where they are and learn how to prepare themselves for a successful journey into obtaining and maintaining a lifelong lean, fit, and healthy body. So without further ado, let's meet David. I grew up around a, a lot of people who I loved very much, respect very much. And,
1: and in fact, these people at that time were, were you know in their 40s and 50s. And I saw and had firsthand sort of experience with all of these diet failures, right? I've had the prototypical aunt and mom and friends who were 40s, 50s, 200 plus pounds, wanted to lose weight and continued to fail at it. And at that time, again, I think what is a typical arrangement, I was younger, involved in sports and enjoyed eating clean, running, all this kind of thing. So I've lived the disconnect. I couldn't understand what, why I was hearing that this was so hard. Because for me, it wasn't hard at all. I I enjoyed running. In fact, I wanted to do it. I wanted to run. I enjoyed eating my oatmeal. It was so to hear someone tell me that it was too difficult to do, and therefore I couldn't lose weight. Really, kind of struck me and resonated with me and guided my life. To be honest with you, so from there. I went into medical school in in large part because of this phenomenon that I had decided was some biological phenomenon that I had to learn about. And this idea that my mom and aunt and friends were failing the mind over matter game, I wasn't buying that because I was right there, right? And this is these are the same people who had wills of steel and were able to conquer all of these other difficult things like. College and night classes and financial difficulties and raising boys and all this kind of stuff. So, so it just didn't match. And so that kind of kicked me into that direction. I trained for many, many, many years and ended up becoming what's called an interventional radiologist. And all that means is we use CD and other radiology guidance systems to do procedures with needles. So that became my job. At the same time, I got a certification in obesity medicine because I remembered why I started all this and wanted to be able to formally get in there and, and change the tides. So that's how I ended up where, where I am today with this dual board certification and this unique practice. And there are some other stories that came out of that, but I don't want to talk too much and monopolize
0: the whole thing right out of the gate. All right. And yeah, we're, we're going to get there. But let's okay. back up because you said a couple of very interesting things there. First of all, you had this personal experience as a young man of being fit and enjoying it, right? You enjoyed that lifestyle. You enjoyed exercising. You enjoyed eating healthy. And th- you had set up this system where that was rewarding and enjoyable for you. And at the same time, you're looking at other people close to you and saying, well, why can't these people figure this out, right? And I think what you're describing is you're you're noticing this disconnect, right? Between the, well, they don't they have the willpower. They're, they have the intelligence. What, I don't understand what's not working here. So let's start our discussion here. You saw these people diet. You saw these people fail. And I think all of my listeners, everybody here can relate to going on a diet, maybe on New Year's resolution, being really gung-ho, being motivated, being, having just steal willpower for that first month, or first week, first six months, whatever it is. But ultimately, it fails. Why do diets fail?
1: Oh gosh! So what? A, what a great question. So we can unpack <laughs> the answer to that, hopefully, in some sort of logical fashion. So the the first thing I want to say before getting you know, specifically to why why diets fail, is that a big thing that I hope to address with all this. Right, and and, and what I say to to folks when I talk, and and thank you for giving me this platform to talk, is that you know I'm lucky enough to have a day job, and it's pretty busy as you saw when we tried to start this podcast. Yeah. So. So my motivation for being out here and writing this book and all that, it, it isn't a career move. It isn't an attempt to make money or anything like that. It, my motivation was to get the message out about the answer to this question, why do diets fail? And, and to make the point clearly that the reason they fail is not a, a mind over matter issue, right? So I'll, I'll come back to that. So the disconnect that you mentioned is the most important thing. I think that's the, if I can say one thing or people hear one thing, It's this, to understand this disconnect. When you're exercising and maintaining a lean physique and enjoying yourself and so on and so forth, that is a distinct thing. Boom, we bound it, it is what it is. When you are overweight and your goal is to make a change from overweight to lean, that is a different project. And so the disconnect materializes out of the flawed thinking that I can do task B, which is make a change by performing the activities from task A, which is a whole bunch of lean people who are just maintaining their physique. And so the analogy I like to draw is that if for some reason you decided you wanted to be a surgeon, that it wouldn't be reasonable for you to ask me for the steps to a cardiac surgery that that I do say, I hand over the steps, And you start on Monday doing surgeries, right? That wouldn't make any sense, but that is exactly the disconnect that we live in now. We take the, what I call the always lean population. We ask them for their directions and programs to do a totally different task, which is making a change. And then we we find over and over again that that doesn't work, right? So, So that's where the disconnect is. And that leads into the answer, why do diets fail? Diets fail because those folks who are trying to make a change, when they embark on a calorie restriction and oftentimes simultaneous exercise program, their bodies react with very well described, meaning that these are things that you can prove and show. These aren't Dave Belogo ideas. Very well described, very well documented, biological responses materialized that block you. What kinds of? The example that people can usually understand right out of the gate is your body perceives this abrupt reduction in your food, reduction in calorie availability as starvation. So your body is wired to survive. So the first thing it does when it senses that you're doing this or that there's less food available is it slows its metabolism. It says, look, we have to live. And if we're going to have less food to eat, we better slow down the internal workings of everything so that we don't die. Right and so you cut your calories by 500 your body slows its metabolism by 400 and offsets you and this is the patient that shows up in your office a month later and says i did everything you told me to do and i didn't lose a pound right and and that is true that is true your your body responded it offset what you tried to do i understand that you didn't lose a pound but but that's one of the things that crops up to block you right the body has overwhelming Hunger signals that it will it will it will fire through nerves, it'll spill hunger hormone into your bloodstream. These are all things the body is going to do to fight you because the body doesn't want to starve. And that is the truth. That is what we know for sure. That is what I've written in the book, so people will understand why they go through these things and fail. And that is also the antithesis of what is. Actually, happening. What is what should happen is what we just said. We understand from a, a medical standpoint that these things crop up and block you and make this calorie restriction non-sustainable and undoable for you. But that's not what we say. What we say instead is you must really not want it, or you know, you you must be uh, somehow eating Doritos in the closet or doing something that you're not telling me. You know, because if you did this, and this this is probably the thing that I hate the most. <laughs> Uh, it's mathematics. It's simple, math, you know, yeah. calories, it's so calories not and simple, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so, no, so that's not simple at diets all. Go. Diets go yeah. because we're not wired to diet. We're wired to survive and we right. can't stay on these diets because our body will fight us every step of the way.
0: Our bodies will fight us every step of the way. That's very well said. So, We had Dr. Rick Johnson on a while back. You're probably familiar with him. He wrote the book, I don't know if you are or not, but he wrote us a book called Nature Wants Us to Be Fat. Kind of that same similar story, right? You are evolutionarily designed to store fat. That's a good thing from an evolutionary standpoint. Right. And what's happened is we've evolved so quickly and culturally and technologically societally that our bodies haven't. Kept up, right? So now we're in this. I mean, there is no food scarcity, but for most of us, right, it's this crazy food abundance, and the food that's abundant is easy and not very. We can get into a whole other rabbit hole about processed, not processed food. Mm-hmm. But what you're what you're saying then is what works for me as a fairly lean fit person who enjoys this sort of a lifestyle isn't going to be the same recipe for success for somebody who has, say, 40 pounds to lose, right? Because Correct. we're starting from different physiological states, right? We're in different Correct. places. So- And you have different goals. You have different it, goals. We so probably different you, goals, you, right?
1: You have different goals. These are two different tasks. Making yes, the change different a change two different tasks. Is a different task than, than maintenance activity.
0: Yeah. So what I hear you saying is then, so that person that's overweight and they start this, they start this diet that we're going to start on Monday. It's a new, new, new week, new me. And they're, they're going to go on mm -hmm. this calorie deficit. They're probably going to throw in some exercises. They're going to make these mm -hmm. radical changes, right? And their body's going to respond by, I think what you're describing is metabolically adapting, right? They're, they're going to say, okay, we, we've got less, less calories coming in here all of a sudden holy shit, this is not good. Let's let's rearrange some things Correct. hormonally, et cetera, so that we're prepared in case of a famine, right? Or That's in right. case of That's food exactly scarcity. Right. Yeah. All right. So that being the case then, how do, what is our prescription then for this person if diets don't work? Mm-hmm. Somehow people do, uh, the majority of people don't, but people do go from being obese or overweight to being lean long-term. It's a small percentage of people Right. What is what is what are some of those factors for success? So so these are such great questions. I think it's the best
1: podcast I've ever been on. So these, <laughs> right. these or, at, high least, five. or, or yeah. at least gets at exactly what I want to say. So thank you. All right. Well, good. Um, so so how would you do that? Right. So how would you answer that question? Because that is the way to answer it from a scientific standpoint. Why don't we find the cohort of people, albeit a small number, and see what they did? Right. And that's exactly what the National Weight Registry did. They found these folks who were successful and sustain their weight loss, a small number of them. And then they characterize them. What kinds of things did they do and how did they do this and what makes them different from the other 99% of people that fail, right? And so this, this is also, I know we're talking about a book, I apologize, but it's true that this is also what we spell out in the book because I was for the longest time, you know, kind of try to preach from the mountain that this really wasn't people's fault that they couldn't stay on these diets. I would even go so far as to say it's nearly impossible to do so 99 out of 100 people are failing. And I wanted that to be my message. But every time somebody would come in afterwards and say, okay, well, then what? Are we, you know, is it hopeless? Is that what you're saying? You know, and I said, no, 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 it's not hopeless. The the key to this is instead of focusing on whatever your your mathematical calorie deficit's going to be or your exercise (laughs) program is going to be, take your focus completely off of that. Forget it, throw it out and focus on the things that were stopping you. And let's mitigate that. Here's why. There are famous papers that are out in the scientific literature, probably the most famous of which, and there's a recent one about intermittent fasting, actually, in the New England Journal of Medicine. But the other one that I want to describe to you was in the Journal of American Medical Association, where they compared all the diets, the, the Zone diet, Warnish diet, Atkins diet. And they wanted to answer the question, what, which diet, quote unquote, works, right? And what did they find out from this study and many others subsequently, that the only variable that correlates with success is adherence. And it might seem simple. And I know people hear that and they go, well, duh, you know, if you stay on the diet, it works, right? It's not the diet itself. It's the ability to adhere. So if we can take our focus off of the diet itself and focus on the variables that allow us to adhere. So let's go back to the to the basal metabolic rate or the metabolism offset that we that we talked about? How can we mitigate that, right? Well, and I know you know this, I'm preaching to the choir, but for, for the listeners, how can we mitigate that? How can we, if I cut my calories for 500 and my body's going to slow down by 400 and offset everything that I'm doing, even though I'm starving and all of that, how can I beat that system? It's easy to beat that system because if you can change your body composition, right, and you can have a greater muscle mass than you have now and a different composition with regard to fat slash muscle and so on, then you will be able to offset that. You'll be able to block that. You'll be able to stop that. And not only will you be able to stop that your body from offsetting your efforts, you will be able to engage it almost like a almost like turning a CIA agent or something. You will be able to make your body your own assets and it will start to work. For you you can actually turn it the other way not only can you stop it from reacting like that, but you can turn it into a machine that burns calories while you're doing a podcast right and how do you do that you do that by changing your body composition so here's where i become massively unpopular <laughs> right? because even though I, I i can i won't give up this fight against the uh, the marketing machine and so on, because I have a message that isn't so sexy and well-received and exciting. That period of time that you take to change your body composition so that you can offset these metabolism changes, you're not going to lose weight during that time. That's a that's a so-called investment period, right? And the, the analogy that I use here is, well, I'll tell you what, let's go back to the surgery analogy. So if you did want to do surgery, you, you could do surgery. So, so these folks can lose weight, but you can't take the list and start on Monday because there are some things that are going to block you. In this case, lack of knowledge of anatomy, for example, or the, or the instruments or whatever. So you're going to have to take some time to go to, say, medical school, learn that anatomy, learn what the instruments are called and so on, and then you'll be successful with surgery. But the reason why it's difficult to talk about this in the mainstream media or be popular, as it were, is that while you're in that medical school period and you're doing your prep work so that you can be a successful surgeon, you won't be doing surgeries. And so when I come to the public and say, I can change your outcome for you, but you're going to have to put in this prep work first, during which you're not going to lose weight. At the end of which, though, you'll be a successful weight loss person. I guarantee it. Your outcome will be different. You'll do better. I am drowned out by the people who say, I can get you to lose 90 pounds in 90 days. I mean, the, they push me out of the way to get to the 90 pounds in 90 days guy and, and then continue to fail.
0: Yeah. So that's very well said. And I want to pick that apart for a little bit. A couple of things here. One is we are absolutely guilty of that. And by we, I mean my industry, the the health, wellness, fitness, nutrition industry. But there is a little bit of, there's a little bit of the blame that goes to the consumer as well, right? That consumer wants the, I want 30 pounds in 30 days. That's what I want. I want that fat loss detox smoothie that's going to melt fat while I sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens is, to your point, this this message of "Hey, let's restore you, let's get you metabolically healthy before we worry about weight loss," it's a tough sell. It's that's hard to market. I know personally, I'll have people that come in; they pay me a not inconsiderable amount of money to lose weight. And very often, the first thing I say, because they expect, okay, a diet, I'm I'm gonna do it this time. I have paid a lot of money. This is this is it. This is the time. Mm-hmm. And. Many times the first thing I say is no, we're not gonna we're not gonna change what you eat at all. We might add some things to what you're eating, right? Right. We're add. going to try <laughs> we're trying we're trying to get you to a place, I think what you're describing, and it's, and it's probably a good time to talk me about that catching point. I want to get you to a place where you have a chance at success for dieting. What that yes, means is right. probably building some lean muscle mass, right? Which is metabolically expensive, which will have you burning calories while you sit on the couch or while you sit doing a podcast, etc. Right. So there, there is a lot to unpack there. Now, when we say, we say this isn't sexy, right? And you say you get a little bit of pushback, probably from peers that are trying to sell something, as well That's as from consumers who say, well, I don't want a year long or maybe a two year long journey to this healthy body. Right. What are some shortcuts? Because we're always looking for shortcuts. Right. Now, in your book the catching point transformation you talk about these steps of staying full creating space training smart, right. in between days let's unpack a little bit about that what what might this journey look like so somebody's listening to this probably has, say maybe lost and gained the same 20 pounds for the last 20 years right what might that what might that prescription look like so, so
1: that person that you're describing, who's lost and gain, lost and gain, lost and gain, or failed over and over and over and over, right. That that is exactly the person that I want to talk to, right? And the the thing that I want them to hear is that the secret to switching sides, right? If we're talking about on one hand having to always lean people, and we know who these people are, we 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 see them carrying their yoga mats and smiling and drinking kale shakes, and we begrudge them <laughs> because we think, how can yeah. they be happy? What are they so happy about? When I do yoga and start my job, it's like the worst thing of my whole life. I hate it. It sucks. There's no way I want to live like that. So, so the, the message that I want people to understand is that those folks don't feel miserable, right? So there is a critical point, And this is why I titled the book The Catching Point Transformation. There is a critical point beyond which, and I, I apologize for saying it this way, but th- there is a critical point beyond which it doesn't suck. And so if I can get you to trust me on that, that there is a day beyond which, a point beyond which, and we've even defined it mathematically, if you can get to this exercise capacity, beyond this point, you will become one of them, which deep down is really what you want, right? Because we might begrudge them if we see them walking in a crosswalk and we're in our car. But at the end of the day, we really want to join them. And so the way to make it so that it doesn't suck is to put this upfront time in. You mentioned all the things you have to do to get there to reach the catching point after which you won't need me. You won't need a trainer. And you'll be on your own because you'll be one of them, right? And we can, we can turn you across there without, and I'm not selling anything, right? Except maybe the book if you want to read the book, but I, it's not a product, right? It's, it's things that we know from the medical literature. That will allow you to cross over that point and join the group that you really want to be a part of and live a life where you enjoy this. It's not a miserable experience, but but and, you know, Postal Press published this book. So God bless them. But prior to that, for many years, when I brought this Subject to the publishers, they would say, There's no way I can sell that. There's no way I can sell, you <laughs> yeah. know, here is an idea, here's an idea or here is a message where you're going to have to take six months. You probably won't lose it during the time. And we're going to turn you into somebody who will be successful with weight loss. That's never going to sell. I mean, it was just rejection after rejection because, and I wanted to, you alluded to this, but I, I think it's important to make this point for your listeners. That is because. Most of the advertisements that you see, their goal is to sell a product, right? Our goal is to get you a different outcome and help you. There's a big difference there. If my goal was to sell you a product, then I would have renamed this book 90 Pounds at 90 Days five years ago. And I would have sold a million copies. But my goal is not to sell you a product. My goal is to inform you about something that you don't realize. It's a different way that results in a different outcome. I'm positive that you don't know about it now. And you want to know about it anyway, because a lot of these people feel bad, right? They're trying to articulate to me, do I have thyroid problems or is it my genetics? Like, they, they can, they feel like I just can't get this done. Is there something wrong with me? So I want you to know that there's nothing wrong with you. And I also want you to know that there's a, that there's another way home and it's, it's, it's totally independent of like trying to sell stuff or have a business, right? Pure messaging.
0: Yeah, it is pure messaging. And I can, I can see why that is a tough sell, right? I I personally, I'm up against that myself. I don't sell Mm -hmm. a you know, drop weight quick. I'm not really interested in working in that space. But you had mentioned something there I, w- I want to touch on, and that's the is there something wrong with me? So, very often, the fitness industry, the health and wellness industry, nutrition industry, it's very quick to point fingers at the dieter. You like the willpower, you like the motivation, you like the, the grit and the determination. Maybe you like the knowledge, maybe you like my secret smoothie recipe or my secret workout or diet, whatever it is, right? You just, you lack something, there's something wrong with you. And dieting is already fraught with a lot of emotion, right? Most people will undertake a diet, not out of a place of self-love and and acceptance, right? but usually it's from a place of shame or guilt. And very often for those of us over 50, probably dieted a bunch of times and have quote unquote failed, right? And we're internalizing these failures as something's wrong with me. And then maybe even saying, well, maybe it's, maybe it's just my genetics. Maybe I can't. Yeah. And so we've got this sort of finger pointing thing going on, but really what's happening is it's not the dieters' fault. It's 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 a in in large part it's it's fitness media's fault, right? That we see mm-hmm. all these pictures of these very lean people and it's very it's simple, just follow this program. Or right. well-meaning medical profession professionals telling people, hey, you've you know, you're overweight, you're pre-diabetic, your blood cholesterol, et cetera, et cetera. You need to exercise more and eat less. And that's just, that recipe has been given to people for quite some time and it just hasn't worked out very well. So before we go on, I just want to, I'm going to make an example here. Well, let's just say Mrs. Smith, she's 58 years old and she's, again, she's lost and gained the same 30 pounds over and over and over again. And let's say she comes to us and we track what she's eating for a week and we find out, lo and behold, she's eating about 16, 1,700 calories. And by this point, she's really active, right? Let's say she's doing a CrossFit or some kind of burn boot camp or something. And she's just frustrated. Why can't she lose this weight? And so she comes to us and she wants a diet. And let's say we say, okay, well, if you're eating 1,600 calories, we're going to slash that down. Let's put you on 1,300 calories and, hey, we'll throw in maybe even another cardio day. And in the first couple of weeks, she's probably going to lose a little bit of weight. So she's thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, wow, this is working. But now she's in this very, (laughs) very untenable, very unenviable, very unsustainable state, right? She's not eating enough calories and she's working very hard. Her body's metabolically adapting because our bodies are very incredible at finding homeostasis with what what it sees all the time. Right. So she's got this very low calorie, very high output. The body's like, Holy shit, this is an emergency. So let's start doing all these biological processes to kind right. of maintain here. Now, let's switch that around. Let's say she comes and she says, Hey, I want to lose some weight and she's doing all these things. First things first, okay. Let's not do let's not do five days a week of boot camp. Earn your booty class, right? Let's back off of that. Maybe we do two days of strength training and another and we walk on the other day, something like that. Let's talk about your stress your stress. Let's talk about your sleep. And let's start adding some food to your diet, some healthy foods. Let's eh. start switching to some whole foods. Let's maybe prioritize some some proteins or other things that maybe you're not getting right now. And she's probably thinking, well, hey, wait. Wait, I'm gonna lose weight. You're right. telling me to eat some more. Trust the process, right. trust and she does, because she's a fictional <laughs> she's yeah. an example here. And she trusts our process, right? And she's eating, and lo and behold, a couple months later, she's sleeping better, she's feeling better, she's getting stronger, right. she's adding right. a little bit of lean muscle mass, she's eating more. And mm-hmm. now let's say she's eating two thousand calories and she's gained one or two pounds. Probably most of that from lean muscle mass, which is Correct. again a good thing, right? Right. And then ultimately, what we would like to do is get Mrs. Smith to a place where she's eating whatever reasonable amount of calories is for her particular body. That's individual for all of us. Let's just say it's twenty four hundred calories and that she has the body that she wants. And that's her maintenance calories. That's a place that's sustainable for the rest of her life, as opposed to that other direction. If she eats fourteen hundred calories and loses three or four pounds and then lo and behold, it doesn't work anymore. Go figure. Right. Right, and So she eats 1,100 calories and she loses a couple more pounds. And lo and right. behold, that doesn't work very long either. She plateaus and she starts mm-hmm. feeling worse. Mm-hmm. In order for her to maintain that, quote unquote, diet, eat less and work out more, she has to do that for the rest of her life. That's not very sustainable. Whereas somebody who is at twenty four, twenty five hundred 2,500 calories, they have ideal body composition, They're they're eating enough, they're Exercise mm-hmm. appropriately. That has that long-term sustainability, and I think right. that that's kind of the essence of your book and what you're saying right now. Right? Is look, <laughs> I want you to get healthy, and the weight loss will be a byproduct of that. Is that is that fair? That is very very
1: fair. And and you you just articulated it beautifully. Right? The analogy that's in the book to illustrate exactly what you just said. Is that if you bring a flower home from from the grocery store, or wherever you might buy a flower that's still underneath the dirt, right in the pot, and you water that flower, and in in this comparison, that water is your exercise, right, your boot camp. You water that flower, and then you water it again later that day, and then you water it in the morning because you really want it to grow. So you water it again the next day in the afternoon, and the next day in the evening because you really want this thing to grow right but it's not going to grow like that it's going to drown out right and that's in our in our comparison the drown out is the lack of adherence it's the quit it's the wash out of the weight loss program right but if you take that flower home instead and following the water you set it in the sun for 24 hours right you took away the boot camp you took away the constant watering and beating down all the time all the time then you give that flower the time it needs the necessary Uh, in this case, sunlight, and in your example, the foods that you added in, you give that flower the opportunity to change its composition and to grow and to bloom and to become something else, right? You need to change your body into something else in order to join them because their bodies, they always lean people, their body composition is different than yours. So you need to change your body composition into that. And A, you will no longer be miserable with all of these things. And B, as you mentioned, you can sustain that forever. Whereas if you take your current body, so here comes yet another analogy, my friend. If you take your current body, which is essentially if your job was to empty a pool, your current body is like a Dixie cup, right? You're going to try and empty that pool with the Dixie cup. Try and, try and try and try and try and try. But your current body isn't built for that. It's not going to work, right? That's why you live over here with the not always people who are upset and always trying to change. But if you can change your body by doing all the things that you said, I loved how you adjusted that five-day boot camp to a two-strength-plus walk, right? That's counterintuitive to most people, but that is 100,000% exactly right. Doing less and eating
0: more, which is the opposite of probably what you thought you should do, right?
1: Well, what doing less and eating more does is it accelerates this process of recovery. I think the recovery section of the book is the longest section of the book because Mm -hmm. it's the most important. Mm By making the changes that you made, You're going to accelerate recovery. What recovery means to the average user who's not in the field is that's the body change that you want. That that recovery, that time in between the training sessions while you're adding in the supplements and food, that's when you're changing your body composition into somebody who A, won't feel like crap, B, will have the tools to be able to impact their weight loss with with exercise because they'll have an increased exercise capacity. And see, they'll be able to live it, and and not just be able to. It will be easy. I want everyone to again hear this. For those folks on the other side of the catching point, this is easy. It's not like you know, because there are a lot of people, including my mom, who would start a diet and then just feel like just overwhelmed, hunger and soreness and depression and disappointment and. And so that's what that person thinks this lifestyle feels like. So the idea that I'm just going to feel like this forever. I mean, nobody wants to feel like that forever. So I want people to understand you aren't going to feel like that forever, if you can get through and through this catching point by using the, the sort of interventions that you just described. And that's exactly what the book is about. You'll get to a point where this is enjoyable for you. You'll wake up feeling great and you haven't been there yet. So. For most people you have not been there because had you passed through and felt that feeling, uh you know, it's 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 a good feeling, a great feeling. It's not like, oh, I lost some weight, so I'm happy. This is a different thing. This is a this is a kinetic feeling that makes you want to go out and do yoga or get a kale shake. And it's it's a different feeling. So If somehow we can engage the trust of this fictional client of yours, for example, or anybody who might have failed diets before, to trust me and get through this catching point, once you feel that feeling of being on the other side, you will be
0: home free because it's addictive. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think that that is a lot of people in their mind, they associate having a lean body with the feeling of being hungry, of being miserable, of choosing... Kale. Who wants to eat kale smoothies? That sounds horrible, right? Yeah. But to your point, once you're on the other side, it is easy and it's enjoyable. And there's this spiraling upwards that happens as we start to stack these little wins, right? We get a little stronger, so our sleep improves, which helps us get a little stronger, which our body then is... sending these chemicals, hey, I'd like some nutrients, please, because I see that we're in the process of building things up. And for those of us over 50, as we start to get a little stronger, eat a little healthier, our hormones are starting to organize themselves in a more youthful way. So we're starting to feel this vitality, maybe an increase in libido and our energy is up and that causes us to spiral up. And eventually, yes, you get to this catching point and this tipping point where this sort of lifestyle is more enjoyable. A lot of times I hear people say, well, it's just not worth it. I don't want to be lean and fit and healthy because I don't want to do what it takes. I don't want to live that life what it takes. Who would
1: want to feel like that all the time?
0: Yeah, who would want to feel like that all the time? And you mentioned in your book, you say that, and this is kind of counter to where we started this whole mind over matter thing, where you said that Mm -hmm. just doesn't work. You say that changes to the body result in changes to the brain. Exactly. So let's pick that apart a little bit because I think that's what you're describing here, right?
1: Absolutely. And the and the the science slash doctor word for that is it's called retrograde neuroplasticity. And basically what retrograde neuroplasticity is, is a change to the body will go in the retrograde direction, the other direction, not not mind over matter, but in fact from the body up and and then change the mind. So I love your fictional character, by the way. So we can keep going back to her. So when we made changes to that training program and we added in nutrients, right, that's going to change the composition of the body. And what that is going to do is feedback and make changes in the brain. It creates this positive feedback circuit. And that's how you end up wanting to do these things. Now, some listeners are saying, oh, that's bullshit. No, but listen, I'm going to prove it. To you. I'm going to prove it to you in, in two ways. First of all, there's a very famous professor, lifestyle nutritionist professor from Harvard named Lee Kaplan. And he has this quote that I love. He said, changing your exercise capacity, improving your exercise capacity, alters your food choices toward healthy options. Meaning that uh, when you reach this critical exercise capacity, you literally want to eat these things. It's not, a not anymore. Like before, but back to retrograde neuroplasticity. So we take it out of the weight loss arena for one second and we treat all of these patients who have phantom limb pain, which is this pain in a foot that isn't there anymore, for example, because they've had an amputation related to war or disease or whatever it might be, right? And for the longest time, we were treating these patients with like meditation and psychological drugs really trying this mind over matter thing, really running this into the ground. And then we decided, well, why don't we do something to the body, to the nerve that got damaged during all of this? And what we found was changing the body, well, in this case, we froze the nerve in the leg, changing the body, we then took magnetic resonance imaging, MRI scans of their brain, and we watched their brain change over time. So this phenomenon of retrograde neuroplasticity, and their pain went away. So this phenomenon of, of retrograde neuroplasticity and matter over mind, you know, outside in, however you want to word it, it is real. And so then, this was one of the stories that I mentioned in the beginning, an intro. So then came the idea that if we can freeze nerves, because that's my day job, freezing nerves for pain, I wonder if we can block the nerve that's carrying the hunger signal. And would that be proof to people that if I change the body, I can change the mind, right? I can block the hunger feeling that people think they have in their mind, but it's really coming from the body. I can prove this. So we took a bunch of people. We brought them in, we froze the nerve that carries the hunger signal. And guess what? They weren't hungry. And when they restricted their calories, they were able to adhere and sustain. And the purpose of that was to prove exactly what we're talking about right now, which is changes to the body, feedback, and change the mind in a retrograde way. And the and if you so that was our little procedure and our little experiment that to sort of prove that. But bariatric surgery. Hundreds of thousands of pounds have been lost now. Diseases have been reversed, high blood pressure, diabetes. And these weren't willpower implantation surgeries. These were surgeries that took away the hunger hormone. These were surgeries that blocked the hunger signal. These were changes made to the body that retrograde feedback to the mind. And so that's what the Catching Point book is about, because I know not everybody can come in and get a procedure or get surgery. How can we make those changes to the body? Well, first thing they can do, clearly, is call you. Because if they have access to you, you will help them do this. But if not, how can we make these changes to the body that will retrograde feedback to the mind without seeing a doctor? And so that's where you've mentioned some of them already with fluidity and no static schedule and blah, blah, blah. So so that's what the that's what the book is about.
0: Yeah, I that so that's very interesting. And I love the concept of kind of that outside in. And we all know the, you know, mind over matter. And certainly your your mind has a big part in in your your holistic health, right? A lot of mindfulness practices and things like that go a long ways. But you, to your point, we're not going to willpower or motivate our way to a healthy, lean body. We, we just aren't. That's very good for getting us started on these kinds of, of endeavors, but it rarely... Uh, carries us over through the long run. Now, I, I do want to go back and talk a little bit more and kind of pull apart some some things that might detract us on our on our journey. But I, I want to spend a minute because that's kind of fascinating to me in the medical side. And you're probably the perfect person to ask this. So so far, we haven't come up with a pill or a simple procedure that will just cause people to to lose weight and and keep it off. And you know, outside of some pretty extreme examples, mm-hmm. are we, are we close to that? I mean we have to be trying, right? The, there has to be billions of research dollars into this because what we're talking about really is, is cause it, I mean, people have to change and people have to actually alter what they are, their relationship with themselves or relationships with food. And mm-hmm. this is, we've already said, this could be a long process. This could be a six month process. It could be a six week process. It could be a six year process, depending on where you're starting from. Mm-hmm. Where are we in terms of medical advancements and like really battling obesity? So, so in the, medical, the-,
1: the, the, the medical advancements have been significant, and and here are the ones that are successful in, in keeping with everything that we've been talking about. Those interventions that address adherence are the ones that result in a different outcome, right? For the sake of consistency, come back to this hunger nerve freezing procedure, right? That was something the intention was to decrease hunger because these are one of the things. We mentioned the, the some of the things that block people. One of them is definitely hunger. There's a subpopulation of people who are clearly blocked by this overwhelming, ravaging, insatiable hunger when they decrease that that they can't endure when they decrease their calories. That's that's just one of them. So, uh, for example, when we address those things that block people, in this case, hunger, we relieve the obstacle, then they do better. Okay. When you think about bariatric surgery, it's the same principle. Now early on, whoever had this idea at the beginning thought, well, if we make a smaller stomach, people will eat less and so on. But that's not really how it works. They do take a portion of the stomach out and and originally intending to make the study or I'm sorry, make the stomach smaller. But what we have realized over the last 20 years is that's not at all how bariatric surgery works. It turns out that the portion of the stomach that they take out is the portion of the stomach that produces ghrelin, that produces the hunger hormone. And so what was happening was not that people had a smaller stomach, but this hormone that's circulating and driving you to a food-seeking mission on a survival basis that is absolutely not going to be resisted anymore that you're going to go underwater and resist your body's demand for oxygen. You're not going to beat this ghrelin, okay? But they realized they were taking that out. And so... The body was no, the stomach was no longer spilling grayland into the system. People weren't feeling this overwhelming hunger. An obstacle was removed, adherence changed, and people did better, right? And so those medical advancements, those pharmaceuticals, those procedures that focus on removing those things that block our adherence, those are the ones that end up with, with long-term sustainability. Those are the ones that end up changing the outcomes, that's where our focus has to be. If it were up to me, we would not create one more, although this will never happen, right? Because the, the people selling products will continue to do this. I don't want to see one more calorie restriction or, or calorie deficit arrangement that's given a fancy name and packaged up and then sold. Yeah. Because that is not the key. <laughs> I'm with the you. key is focusing on yeah. those things that don't allow us to adhere I mentioned the intermittent fasting paper in the New England Journal of Medicine. So the New England Journal of Medicine is arguably the most prestigious and most difficult to get into a medical journal in the world because it's so stringent about what it publishes. It only publishes those things that have the highest scientific integrity. I think last month there was an article showing that uh, those people who are randomized to calorie restriction, plain old calorie restriction, versus intermittent fasting, and they they. Both had the same outcomes. There was no advantage to intermittent fasting over calorie restriction. Well, no kidding, right? This is what we, this is what we, and nothing against intermittent fasting, but it was, it was just another one of those things that caught fire in the media and and people can't resist. My, my wife, I don't think she get mad at me for bringing her up on the show, but my wife is like this super smart, insightful, just. She really understands everything that we talked about, right? And for years, she's been successful with her own weight maintenance, weight loss, and so on. So she really, really gets it, okay? More than most people. But still, once a month or once every two months, you will call me and say, hey, did you see this? Do you think that this thing is really what it says it is? You know, and she knows.
0: Yeah. This is someone who
1: knows. And the reason I bring it up is because the temptation is just too much for people. It's it just too much. Yeah. it, it, it but, but I think we have more sense in other spaces. Like imagine get rich schemes. We have right. a little bit more logic and sense over there. Like we would all love to get rich tomorrow. But most of us, when we get the email that says, hey, you know, my cousin left you $20 million. All you have to do is give me your social security number. Most of us can resist that. We say, yeah, it would be great to have $20 million tomorrow, but this probably isn't true and isn't going to work. Man, when it comes to weight loss, even yeah. if on a, on our conscious level, we realize that this is some, it, it's not a scam, makes it sound bad, but something that is not going to actually result in this. We still give it a second look, man, because yeah. it's just so tempting. It's so tempting. We want, it to,
0: we want it to be quick and easy. We want it to be right. simple, right? I mean, and when you say something like intermittent fasting, oh, okay, so if I only eat during this window, I'll magically loss, lose weight and... Yeah, to your point, it's it's a lot like somebody saying the same thing. Oh well, if you want to be a millionaire in ninety days, here just here's the framework. Do it. You, most you probably people, won't. Most you would probably know that intuitively know sure. that that's well, unless you're close to being a millionaire, and then you know maybe that. Just oh no, no, no but let me you stop the me there. Let me, let, let me stop me
1: there because that's key. What you just said that's key, right? right? We're
0: different starting places, right?
1: Yes. If you're dirt, so if, if it, you're it, dirt
0: it, poor, you're not going to be a millionaire in, in, no, <laughs> in 90, so ninety days. So, but if you, you got nine hundred thousand investments in the bank, that ninety day framework might work great for you. Exactly. So if you're if
1: you if you one of my friends, I'm going to kind of steal what he said the other day, really put it well when it came to money. He said a comparison that I could use or or the way that he might explain what we're trying to say is if your goal was to save money, say a million dollars, right? Or say, say, you know, something realistic, like you want to save a thousand dollars. Right. But right now you owe Uncle Jimmy five hundred dollars. So if you're not going to be able to save that thousand dollars in the next 30 days because you have to pay Uncle Jimmy first. And the key is, or the the point that I'm trying to make here and drive home is that while you're paying Uncle Jimmy, you're not making any progress towards that $1,000. You are, but it won't look like it on paper, right? So while you're preparing to be a successful weight loss person on paper or on the scale, it won't look like you're losing any weight. But just like you are getting closer to saving that $1,000, the more you pay Uncle Jimmy, It's not written anywhere. You can't see it anywhere. You won't see changes on the scale and you might not see immediate changes in your body composition, but you just have to trust that during this period that I'm paying Uncle Jimmy, right? That I'm getting to the catching point. Once I'm free of that debt, I'll have much more success saving $1,000. And once you make these body composition changes and change your exercise capacity and get to the catching point, I promise you after that, it's so much easier.
0: Yeah. 100% and very, very well said. Yeah. I, I I, love all of that. Obviously that's right in my wheelhouse. So there you go, folks. But now as we're, as we're wrapping up, I, I do want to touch on a couple of things before we go here. These are, you bring these up a couple of times in your book and we've touched on one of them a couple of times. And that, that first one is sleep and the importance of sleep. Mm-hmm. So we talk on the show a lot about sleep and why it's important, but Great. just, yeah, if you don't mind in the, in the context of getting to this catching point transformation, why is sleep so important? Because that is the primary
1: time when the changes are made that you want. We've talked for a long time about how we're going to change our bodies into the kind of bodies that the always lean people have, so that this will be fun and easy, right? Those changes happen while you're sleeping. If you take this, if you take this stimulus, whatever it might be, let's call it exercise. If you take a, a bout of exercise, your intention. And we didn't, we didn't quite make this clear, and I know you understand this, but early on, the intention of that exercise bout is not to burn calories. You don't have the exercise capacity to burn a significant amount of calories. It's a total waste of time to even think about it that way. It's trying to empty a pool like a Dixie cup, with a Dixie cup. The purpose of that original exercise bout, or those early exercise bouts, is to induce your body to change into the one you want that will be successful. And those changes, what we did talk about is in order for those changes to occur, we have to add in the right foods. However, when do those changes happen? They don't happen when you're working out. They don't happen when you're on the podcast and you're worth thinking about other things. When your body doesn't have anything else to do while it's sleeping, it will turn its attention to changing. And what it will say is, look, if we're going to have to do these exercise bouts, which it looks like we are we need to make some changes. We need to change our muscle composition. We need to rearrange this and that and the other thing. And that will happen while you're sleeping. And and if you don't sleep, then all you're doing with these exercise bouts is running yourself into the ground. You end up in the place where your original fictional fictional character was. And so it's during sleep that these changes occur. And a comparison I like to make to illustrate the point is for fair-skinned folks, you and I are fairly fair-skinned. If you go out into the sun, right? And then you go to sleep and you wake up the next day, your skin will have changed colors, right? Why is that? Because your, your body says, look, if we're going to have this happen, we're going to have to change our bodies into this in order to survive. And so while you're looking to change your body into the what you want, you, if you don't sleep, you don't allow those changes to happen and you just run yourself into the ground. It's critical.
0: Yeah sleep sleep is critical and to your point we're actually breaking down muscles when we're in the gym and we're doing other things and we are repairing and recovering and building when we're sleep specifically in those deep sleep and REM phases and I like how you talked about the purpose of exercise, right? Especially early on. But if the purpose of exercise is only the calories we burn while we do them, then we stop getting the benefit the second we stop doing them, right? But if the purpose is for these adaptations, these meta- metabolic adaptations specifically, we, those carry over long after we stop doing the exercise, right? So if I start oh, for a… Sure you know i'm building up my work capacity i'm build i'm building some strength and we already talked about muscle is metabolically expensive the body's like okay well if we're going to have this sort of demand we need to rearrange things so that we can support this and that is i think goes a long ways towards what you're talking about this more sustainable model as opposed to well you know i'm going to go for this 30 minute run and that's going to my fitbit's going to tell me that's going to burn x number of calories okay good and then i can fact- factor in how much i can oh. eat just, yes. yeah. <laughs> oh, that that's just yeah oh that's a crazy, crazy way of looking that's right?
1: another huge distraction that's just thrown sure out is. there that that
0: unfortunately i burned this many calories have. yeah
1: that it's it's pointless i'm yeah. telling all of you right now who are in this space who want to make a change that you don't have the capacity to burn a meaningful amount of calories. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you the facts. If your goal, instead of losing weight, if your goal was to race a car in a car race like the Indianapolis 500, right? You, if you drive the car you have now, a Prius or something, and you pull up to the Indianapolis 500, you are not going to be able to compete there because you, you don't have the car you need to be successful with car racing. And you don't have the body you need right now to be successful with weight loss. So trying is ridiculous. It's no different than, I think Kevin and I say, you can do surgery on Monday, go. You just don't have what you need to be successful with that task starting on Monday. So please just forget that. What we want to focus on instead is changing our body into one that doesn't get blocked when we eat clean and exercise, doesn't give us negative feelings. And allows us to
0: join this group of people who so obviously enjoy this lifestyle. Right on. Well said. All right. So, real quick, as we're wrapping up, the other thing I want to touch on, and you just briefly mentioned this in the book, but I think it's important to hear, is the role of alcohol when it comes to building this yeah. new, this new lifestyle, this new body. And it's a tough one, right? Cause this no, is I mean, you're just, you're just
1: going down the list of my unpopular things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're really
0: selling ourselves really well here. Yeah. Hey guys. All right. So this is going to take a long time it's going to take a lot of work and you're going to have to be dedicated. Right. And not only that, but, but forget that you know,
1: this guy over here says I can do it in 30 days. Yeah. Right. Have what you <laughs> yeah. want.
0: Okay. So, I mean, we're not saying that abstinence is, is the key. And of course, maybe it is for some folks, but what are we saying? What is the role of alcohol and what, why, why is alcohol not our friend specifically when it comes to talking about transforming our body from, from this body where we are today to this, you know, this lean fit body.
1: Yeah, this is another, this is another hard truth. And this is another hard um, one. Yep. The The only potential silver lining that I could put on this is that I'm only asking you to stay away from this until you pass through the catching point. Once you get to this point, and across and you join the folks who are smiling and enjoying all of this, then you can gradually add this back in if you like. The reason why you have to stay away from it now is because everything that we just talked about, if we just, if we just follow the sequence, I'm going to use an exercise bout to induce change in my body, which is going to happen primarily while I'm sleeping so that I can transform my body into these people who enjoy this and can sustain it. If that is our goal, Alcohol will screw you up at every single step, right? So I do my exercise bout. If I have alcohol, my exercise bout is gonna is gonna not be as good, right? So there it screwed you up there. And I did it to induce change while I sleep, which will also be screwed up if you drink alcohol because it screws up your sleep. And so now you've minimized your change. And then the changes themselves are blocked. Right. So we think about the mental effects we get from alcohol, the, the so-called buzz. What The way that works is it kind of scrambles your your cellular signals for a while, which sometimes, you know, it's nice. It gives you a break from work and so on. And that's why people do it. And that's why the, that's why we like it, actually. But it also scrambles the cells everywhere else, your muscles uh, and so on. And so you, we began with, hey, we're going to have a calculated assault in the form of an exercise bout. That's going to induce our body to go through these calculated changes, reorganize, make us stronger, leaner, and happier. And you block all of that when alcohol is on board. So until we, until we get to and through that catching point, there's no upside to alcohol and you're going to go somewhere and say, there's resveratrol and alcohol or, you know, whatever (laughs) it might be, but you know, that's fine. If I put a vitamin inside of a dynamite stick and give it to you, that's that's kind of what you're running into there. So the hard truth there is, until you get through there, I'm stay away.
0: Yeah, I've wanted to kind of bring that out. That what's what's happening when we're partaking in alcohol, specifically in these early stages as we're building, as you're mentioning and, and changing some behaviors, is we're in effect we're negating our work. Right? We're right. just. We're, we're taking a step forward, two steps back. If right. you're, if you're doing the work in the gym and you're, you're eating healthier and, and we're trying to make this transformation, make this permanent transformation, that's just not helpful on that journey. So folks out there, just keep that in mind as, as you're embarking on this. Now, David, as we're wrapping up here, what's, what's next for you? What's, what's on the horizon?
1: Oh gosh, for me, so that's <laughs> So part of part part of the work that I do. I guess I was not ready for that question. So it, it, Except, but I'll just be honest <laughs> hand okay, okay. with you. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest with you. So so the honest Sir? truth is exactly this. So we, we talked a lot about understanding where patients are coming from and trying to blow up that disconnect and and for sure blowing up the the fat shaving and the negativity that kind of comes out of that disconnect, right? And essentially what it is is it's an accepted kind of prejudice where Because we haven't been in that situation and we haven't felt those feelings, we therefore, A, don't acknowledge them. We say that they don't exist. And then B, we instead put all these negative qualities onto this person because they're not able to do something that, by the way, we have have never done either. Right. So, so that kind of thing on a bigger scale is what is what the rest of my life is going to be about. And what I mean by that is there are patients not only in the weight loss arena who experience this, I treat a lot of patients with pain. And sometimes the pain patients can undergo the same kind of thing. They interact with a caregiver who hasn't actually felt what they feel. And so they then say, well, if I were this, I would do this or I would do that. A whole bunch of crap that's based on nothing. And it creates a disconnect and it isolates the patient who needs our help, right? And so for me, for the rest of my time, uh, I'm going to advocate for these patients, whether it be in in the setting of pain, whether it be in the setting of weight loss, and sometimes people just get lost in the healthcare system and they need some guidance because they don't know where to go. And those patients, are, regardless of whatever their individual abnormality might be, I want to be able to embrace them and bring them where they need to go by believing them, listening to them, acknowledging that I probably haven't felt what you have felt, but I have the tools to help you. So I'm going to lay down all the stuff and I think I'm so great and I'd be able to do it if I were you. I'm going to dispense with all of that and I'm going to help you. So that's, that's what's next. That's the rest of my time. That's I what love I'm that do. mission.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. And our industry could use a big, big dose of that. Not not the medical industry, but the health and fitness and nutrition. We could use a huge dose of that empathy. And you'd, you brought up fat shaming and there's a ton of that. And I think a lot of it's just unintentional, right? And it's from this place, as I'll call it ignorance, just from folks, like you said, that a lot of these people that are fit and have always been fit and love being fit, they just don't have that comprehension of of the struggles and – or even the, the, the physiological understanding that we're at different – for me to maintain what I'm doing now is way easier and more enjoyable than somebody actually making a real transformation to get to that lean body state, right? That's and those so are profound. different states –
1: if you're going to yeah, pull a soundbite, pull that one, because that is such <laughs> a profound statement that you just made. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think it's worth and important to interrupt you there. and point Now, that what you just said off the Cunk is is so profound, so meaningful and so true. And we do indeed need to get rid of that. And it's, it's not any different than upper middle class white guys saying that, you know, if I grew up as a minority in a low income country or a, or a low resource community, well, I would just buckle down and, and I'd become successful. Well, no, you know, you wouldn't because and what you just said, you know, I can kind of I can kind of sum it up in four words. You, you don't know that you'd be able to do that. And here's why. The conditions are different. Conditions are different, and so if you've not been through it, don't assume you could or would be able to do it. Because what I want people to understand, and what you're saying, and you've just articulated so well, and I'm probably ruining it now, is that the conditions are different.
0: Yeah, yeah. We could use a lot more, a lot more empathy and a lot more advocacy. It sounds like that's what I heard when you were saying what's next for you, and you're going to. That caught me off guard. I think that was. I think that's fantastic. So before we wrap up here, David, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, great. Yes. Thank you for saying that actually. So I have a website. It's
1: drprologo.com, D-R-P-R-O-L-O-G-O, drprologo.com. And that really sort of links out to everything. All the advanced interventional pain stuff that we do, the weight loss stuff that we do, the patient advocacy, anything that you might be interested in. We're we're doing we're involved in building education programs in Eastern Africa and essentially the tagline that i that i want to have is that we're, we're working to help human beings we're trying to help human beings in this weight loss space and beyond so anybody who has any interest in any of that at all please come visit drprologo.com and let's see what we can do together
0: Fantastic. Absolutely love it. All right, folks, I'll drop all of that as well as the social info into the show notes here. And again, that book is called The Catching Point Transformation, a 12-week weight loss strategy based in reality. I strongly, strongly recommend this book for everybody. And look, I'll be honest. I say that every time I interview a guest that has written a book because it's a polite thing to do. It's a nice thing to do. And I genuinely typically mean that. But in this case, I really do. And I know there's a couple of you out there that listen to this that are also in the the person you are in the fitness industry, the, the nutrition industry. I strongly recommend this book for you specifically because of the things we just finished talking about. Right. To have that empathy and to have that advocacy for your clients. And if you're somebody who's struggled with weight loss and maybe has felt like a failure in the past or just felt like this isn't for me, this is a fantastic resource. Strongly, strongly recommend it. So David, I want to thank you again so much for coming on the show today, sharing your passion, your knowledge and your insights with us. And I just wish you all the best in all your future endeavors and encourage you to keep up the great work. Likewise, my friend. Thank you so much. Okay, folks, that's our show for this week. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I want to let you know that we have other free resources over at silveredgefree.com. There you'll find free guides with our top tips on nutrition, exercise, and healthy lifestyle. So feel free to head over there and download anything that looks useful to you and your health and wellness journey. I also want to let you know that you can find all the links to the resources we discussed in this episode over at silveredgefitness.com slash episode 133. And you can continue the conversation over there as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on today's show. I really appreciate you spending your time with me today. And until next time, stay strong.